0: Guys and gals, and welcome to the We Love Horror podcast—the podcast where we talk about everything and anything related to horror. I'm Michael, and I'm Roman, and we're, and your we're hosts. back. We're back, we back after Thank a you. long break. We're
1: alive. Don't worry about us, guys. We're good. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while, though.
0: We're we're barely alive, barely actually. Alive. Yeah. I think you barely skated by with school. Yeah. Like, so with your sanity in check. <laughs> a big reason
1: why we took kind of like a break from the podcast is because. Uh, I'm actually in my senior year in college, and with coronavirus and just trying to wrap up a full course load, I was taking like seven classes, uh, I I really had to double down and just focus on classwork. so because of that, uh, I had to take a bit of hiatus on the podcast, but pass with flying colors, everything looks good, I'm like two classes away from my diploma, just some stupid general classes I gotta take care of, but I'm gonna be a graduate soon, the worst is over. That's that exciting. hellish semester that I had to do. But, God. yeah, I'm back. Here I am, guys.
0: With your sanity still in check, With my thankfully. sanity in
1: check, a crippling caffeine addiction due to the previous semester. <laughs> but, I'm okay. okay.
0: <laughs> uh, he's going to have to go to, like, Caffeine Anonymous or something. Oh, shoot. At the end of this. Like, if
1: I don't have a coffee, like, I'll get, like, these really bad headaches. I get really irritable. Like, my memory's foggy. Like, caffeine's no joke. If you want yeah. to get bad, it, it's no joke. Oh, yeah. Man.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, but we're, yeah, we we're are here. back, we're here. you guys. <laughs> we are back after the long break. Thank you for being so patient. We appreciate it.
1: And for the new listeners, yeah, thank you so much. You know, like you probably listened to the latest episode, like, oh, I can't wait for the next one. And then what happened? So <laughs> we, we apologize, but thanks for being patient. Thanks for sticking around with us. Yes, thank you. And, and for our old listeners, yeah, you guys, you guys are awesome too.
0: Yes, our course, our uh, OG listeners, thank you. <laughs> our new listeners, thank you. To everybody, thank you. Um, namaste. I, no, <laughs> namaste. Yes. Um, so I guess started out as we normally start it. Uh-huh. So talk about um, what's new? Have, what's happening. Yeah, what yeah. is happening with you, Roman? I haven't. It's. Uh, I mean, because during school, like <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I, I didn't mean, hear from I you for two out, weeks.
1: I was gone. I. So when I get really stressed out and I'm focusing on a project, I really do get tunnel vision. Like, everything else kind of fades away, whether that's a good thing or not. Like, I sometimes forget to eat. I'm like, holy shit, I feel like garbage. Oh, I should probably eat food. Yeah,
0: Swayze was telling me that she had to keep <laughs> reminding you to eat. And yeah, she's
1: like, dude, when's was the last time you ate? I'm like, uh, like yesterday. Days ago, I think. <laughs> no, I think one case, it really was. Like, I think yesterday. She's like, you should probably eat food. I'm like, now. I'm like, okay, all right. Uh, school, yeah, that took a lot of it. Um... School ended like the beginning of May, and for a good two weeks, I, I guess where everybody else in the world and I, I don't want to sound like a jerk saying this, but where everyone else is like, dying of boredom, Mm -hmm. dying because they're just stuck indoors and they're going absolutely mental with the coronavirus. I didn't, I couldn't afford that luxury because of all (laughs) the classwork I had. So like, whether we were going through a pandemic or not, I was still one hundred twenty percent just doing classes. So when classes were finally done, I realized, I have so much time now. I could f- relax. So yeah. that's what I did, where a lot of people like, aren't you bored playing video games? Aren't you bored like, like, doing something? no. Stuff like watching TV? I'm like, no, this is great, because I didn't have time to do that now. So I, I'm loving, like. Uh, in case fans are wondering, yes, I love video games. Recent games I'm playing, of course, Animal Crossing, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and Persona 5 Royal. So that's that's what's keeping me uh, sane during quarantine. We're nice. Doing a lot of that. I've been watching a lot of television lately again, more like YouTube and Netflix stuff. Because if you're watching cable, it's basically 24/7, coronavirus network. This is what's going on yeah. in the world. It's like, I know that. I re- I wake up in the morning and I read the news. I know what's going on. I don't even see it being screamed about 24/7. Oh, 24/7 on CNN. Like, oh, Trump said this. Oh, Fauci said this. Oh, it's yeah, just yeah like it's, like it's just like anxiety fuel for me. It's anxiety fuel. And it's. At some point, it's just fear-mongering. Yeah. Like, we know what the facts are, but they could easily get muddled because of what we see on daytime TV. Oh, for sure. Yeah. uh, Mainly YouTube, Netflix, Hulu. That's the stuff I typically watch. Entertainment, you know, like, movies that, like, I'm like, oh, I should be watching this. Uh, I've taken up drawing because I've really wanted to become, uh, you know, instead of just, like... Being someone who says, like, oh, yeah, I like to doodle. Like, no, I want to become, like, an artist. He like wants to
0: become the voice. next Bob Ross is what he wants to be. That Bob. would be cool. That would be a great aspiration. Hello, I don't know everyone. if I could get that level, but <laughs> <laughs> that'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> I wonder if you can do the Bob Ruff, Ross voice.
1: Hello, guys. So what we're going to do right here is we're going to put, put a little happy cloud. You know, just a little happy cloud. You know, but There's no worries with it, you know. Think I about mean. about the happy clouds in your life.
0: Sound, <laughs> I mean, it sounds pretty good. I you have that. like the relaxing tone of his voice down. You gotta be sure. relaxed.
1: You gotta be like I would say Bob Ross was the OG ASMR. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Because I know a lot Definitely. of people that say they'll listen to Bob Ross just to fall asleep. I'm like, okay, okay. I've done it. I've done it a few times. I love just seeing his technique. It's like, all right, <sighs> you're gonna draw. You're gonna paint that. Let's see, and he manages to do it. And it's, oh, like, yeah, it's like magic. Yeah, it like makes me
0: upset watching him sometimes because I'm like. He makes it look so easy, and then I try to do the same thing, and I'm like, "Nope, like nope, Bob, I, I quit. <laughs> I quit. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out." <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's
1: that's basically what I've been doing. i feel like every. I feel like a lot of people who are so like cabin fever, stir fever due to coronavirus are trying to find like new outlets to do or just find their way to like fill their time. So you, people are like grabbing new hobbies. You know, some people are learning to play the guitar some people are uh relearning to to love to write again you know trying to write the next big novel
0: some people are making Blair Witch trinkets in their front yard you know some people you know (laughs) like everyone's
1: doing something
0: talking about myself when I say that (laughs) (laughs) you would not believe the amount of weird looks that I got from like neighbors walking by because like where I was sitting I had my little you know work bench set out out there like my little table and I'm making my little like Blair Witch trinket things for a, you know, a future episode. I don't want to spoil too much, so that's all I'll say for that. But I was making a whole bunch of them, and I had a bunch of neighbors and shit walking by, and they're just kind of, like, giving me weird looks. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going (laughs) to hang them in front of your, you know, house later.
1: Don't worry. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah, you guys
0: will all get one. Don't worry. (laughs) You get a Blair Witch trinket. You get a Blair Witch trinket. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, speaking of hobbies, I, I picked that up and, you know. Not not bad at it. So and there we go. I yeah. actually I don't know if I told you this Roman, but I did an Instagram live video. Mm-mm, I didn't know. Didn't get a whole lot of <laughs> people listening or watching again, but yeah. I mean I did it for our our podcast account, so oh, okay. we don't have too many followers yet on that one. So I wasn't expecting too much, but we had um, someone comment on our on my Instagram live video saying that she wanted to buy some of my. Blair Witch Trinket things, and I was like, oh. Really? Yeah she's like, okay. yeah, she's like, I would buy it. I was like, cool. All okay, right, I, I mean. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we can get into the Blair Witch Trinket making business. I don't fucking know. That's so funny. But, yeah. like, I'll buy
1: that from you. Like, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: but um, yeah, yeah, so.
1: Blair Witch Trinkets, I'm drawing. I'm trying to get better at I've always wanted to get better at drawing, and now that I have more time with school pretty much almost being done, there we go. So yeah, yeah. but uh, that's pretty much new with me. Like I'm back on the wagon, doing the podcast. Kind of pretty much refresh, refresh from the, from that semester. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah.
0: I was uh, I was like sweating bullets though. Mm. Like the that that two week span of time that I didn't hear from you, I was like, <gasps> I know he's busy with school, but I'm like, does he still want to do the podcast? Is he sick of the podcast? Does he not want to do the podcast anymore? So finally, I, like, finally told Swayze, I was like, please tell Roman to at least message me back and update me on what's going on because I am in the dark right now and I need to know something. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry about that. That, No, 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 you're fine. It's a stressful situation. But I I get in my head when I don't have, like... A clear answer on things, I really get in my head, and I really get anxious, and I like was really so. I think I got to the point where Swayze was like, "Oh, for fuck's sake, I'm gonna talk to Roman." Jesus <laughs> Christ! Like, yeah, I mean, that's I, my fault. Right <laughs> I don't think I was that bad, but I mean, I think I got to the point where Swayze was like, "Okay, I'm gonna fucking talk to him finally." Cause, yeah, yeah. Gosh. But yeah, um, glad you're back. Happy here. To be I am. back. I'm happy to be back. And like we said before, thank you. To all the listeners, you know, past and present, now, um, new listeners, old listeners, thank you guys for being patient with us mm-hmm. and um, letting us kind of take a take a step back for a minute. Um, so yeah, we're back, we better than ever. So um, no corona, so that's good too. Yeah, hopefully you guys are
1: doing safe out there too. You know, like we talk about it, we joke about it, but like it is a it is a still real scary thing right now. So whatever you do, to can be safe, please be safe. Oh for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, without
0: further ado, I guess let's uh, get into talking about some of the new ratings that we got on Apple Podcasts. New Apple updates on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. So, it says that we have 10 ratings on Apple Podcasts, 9 5-star ratings, and wah, wah, wah,
1: 1 1-star rating. It was bound to happen, guys. Yeah. We can't please everyone, so we want to acknowledge the fact that we did get... A rating that was subpar, honestly. One star is really bad, but I love how on Apple Podcasts it, <laughs> it says, hated it. it. That is literally like when you go to
0: click to rate, it says, I hate it. But if
1: you try to rate it yourself, really, yeah, that's what it is. So I'm like, that's
0: really strong, yeah, <laughs> okay, I hate it.
1: <laughs> I mean, the person who gave us the one star didn't put a review, they just left the rating. But we just want to let you guys know that, yeah, um, you can't please everyone, and we just hope that those who do like the podcast you know, let us know. Let us know what we're doing. You like, what you enjoy. Just share your thoughts. And if you don't like it, we at least encourage you, at least tell us why. We do want to make yeah, it better, you know? right? Because We it, know that no one, like not everyone can love it, but we strive to appeal to a lot of our listeners. We right. We still want to try a good, honest college try to make it enjoyable for everyone.
0: Because as, as, as much as I want to sit there and say, like, you know, um, focus on the good comments. Don't focus on the bad comments, you know, like... I, I'll go down this rabbit hole of just like constantly being like, oh my gosh, why don't they like it? They didn't leave us. You know? Yeah, it's easy. It's yeah, it's very easy. It's, it's like you have a hundred
1: great ratings and just one could still sour the mood. It's so right. easy to get in
0: that mindset. Well, and not to mention that the day that you sent me the message saying that we had a one star, I had literally just woken up, rolled over, checked my phone, which is normally what I do yeah. every day. I, you know, check my phone. I got a message from you and you were like, bad news. We have our first one star review. And I'm like, that was just the thing I wanted to wake up to today. <laughs> that was just the perfect. Start I think you it. should know though. Yeah, no, yeah. I appreciated it. But yeah, it was just like, I, it was like the first thing I woke up to. So I was like, damn, this is how today is going to go. Is it okay? <laughs> this is the time. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, steadily throughout the day, I realized, you know, this is what you sign up for when you do anything with a creative outlet for other people to like, whether it's, Being a YouTuber, whether it's being a musician, whether it's being an actor, like you're open to scrutiny and criticism from everybody, you know, there's going to be like Roman said, a hundred comments from people that love the show. And then there's going to be that one comment from somebody that doesn't. And, you know, it's more important to focus on the people that are giving the podcast love and giving the podcast attention. So that's what we want to do. But we also want to encourage the people that are sending us the, you know, lower reviews to leave us a, you know, a review of what we can do better mm-hmm. initially. Because, I mean, like we've said from day one, this is a podcast that we're constantly growing into. We're, we're adapting, we're changing things, we're adding things. So we want to know what you guys like and what you guys don't like.
1: We're all ears. We're all yeah. ears.
0: So, sorry, I didn't mean to go off on that tangent, oh, no. but uh, we Sweet. have a couple of new uh, reviews as well.
1: Good reviews too. So... Yeah.
0: I'll read the one by Spooky Mads. She says, Love it. Grew up watching these films, so it's fun to hear what you all have to say about them. Michael has a really great voice too, so that's a bonus.
1: So there you go. Isn't Whoa. that great? There you go, Michael, you have an admirer. Right <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my sister, but <laughs> Oh, okay. Now it's me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: my sister my sister uh told me to make sure I uh say that review on the on the record. So Okay, on the record, Michael Yeah. a phenomenal
1: voice for podcasting. <laughs> I She's like, make did.
0: sure people know that. And I'm like, well, I've had people say that you're, I've had people tell me that Roman's the one with the good voice. Like my brother, uh, uh, did I tell you the story my brother? I think you did, yeah, yeah, So my brother started listening to it and he was, he was driving, I think like a, he was taking like a three hour drive somewhere. And he basically told me, he's like, I had to stop listening to it because Roman's voice was putting me to sleep.
1: <laughs> Is that a good thing
0: though? No, I think <laughs> so. Think. No, because he's okay. like, Roman has, in his words, quote soothing as fuck voice like that's what he said and I was like that's funny and he's like, and then I'm like you listen to Roman's voice and you're just starting to doze off and then you hear my voice and it's like whoa I'm awake again <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you hear my like it's like the, the screeching timer, voice the
1: timer like on an apple on the apple alarm clock app like da da did it
0: pretty much <laughs> like, yeah I'm awake now. okay all right.
1: <laughs> but uh maybe that's the perfect balance for him to drive like sleeping wake up okay I'm good right and you don't want it too soothing and then <laughs> you guys are getting in wrecks listening <laughs> oh to our podcast gosh. i definitely do not want that
0: but yeah thank you spooky mads thank you sis i appreciate <laughs> it appreciate the love um you want to read the next one roman yeah
1: and then the next podcast is by want to keep going or not podcast the next <laughs> review on our podcast it's been a while guys we're a little rusty while. yeah it's, <laughs> oh, man. so yeah the next review for the podcast is by want to keep going and they say i recently got interested in horror movies and i found this podcast this is exactly what I've been looking for. Both guys have profound knowledge on that and are talented for storytelling. Even though I got to know about this podcast for a few weeks ago, I'm already a big fan. Hope everything is going well for you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, like, thank you. You didn't have to tell us anything, but we very much appreciate what you did. Great words. I love it. I love hearing from you guys. So, yeah, thanks so much.
0: Yeah, and like like we said in past episodes, it just brings us like validation that what we're doing is like worth people's time yeah. and worth worth the effort of doing it and putting together these episodes for you seeing these comments and seeing these like ratings really boosts our like i don't know our drive
1: yeah our know, drive like, our because i'll be honest like there's times where it feels like uh, is this podcast just like you know two dudes talking about horror films and it just goes up online and then just poof that's the end of it you know yeah. sometimes it's easy to feel like
0: it's not going to go anywhere. is it doing anything yeah like, right is it just
1: I don't want to like sour the mood or say, like, is it all in vain? But sometimes you do feel like, oh, it's just recording, you know, it's just something you're doing. But then you right. do see these reviews, you do see these uh, comments, and it it definitely is like a morale boost. Oh, for sure. You get sure. picked up, you're like, heck yeah, there are people that are listening. And it, it makes you want to keep going, it makes you want to do more. So, again, thanks so much, guys. Yes. Very much appreciated.
0: Thank you. And speaking of listeners, we have quite a few new places that we're streaming from now. So, From the last time, I don't remember everywhere, but I think the new places we have are France, Romania, Ukraine, I believe. Unless we already said Ukraine last time. Like I said, guys, it's been a while since we did an episode. I could be, you know, saying countries that we already talked about. Uh India is a new one. I know that for sure. Um, But yeah, that's really cool. Also, I was really excited. So after we did our 70s episode... um, If you guys remember at the end of the episode, I kind of talked about a little bit about the fact why the 70s episode was so special to me because we were recording the episode at the same exact time that the 108th anniversary of the Titanic setting sail across the ocean on her maiden voyage was happening. So that was a special episode to me. And then later on, I was just after work, I was sitting in the bathtub taking a bath. And I just happened to look at like where in England we're streaming from. And it just so happens that we are, have a listener from Southampton, which is the city, which is the town that Titanic set sail from. So when I saw that, I literally immediately texted Roman and was like,
1: oh my gosh, what are the odds?
0: (laughs) I know. I was like, we have a listener from Southampton, Titanic's birthplace. And he was like, that's cool. I was like, yeah. I (laughs) I was like, I don't know if it's a coincidence or if we have a, another fellow titanic fan in our midst that's really cool either way thank you so much but yeah um as far as that goes yeah thank you guys for listening thank you guys for for tuning in every week.
1: continued support we love it yes we We love love seeing that we have like a new like region that people are listening to from oh for sure It makes you think about like oh like all the people of the world that are interested in the the podcast and what we're talking about then they all live very different lives. Oh, yeah. Very different backgrounds and very different lifestyles, very different families. So, I don't know. It's cool to just imagine about that. Oh, for sure. Like I It's it's sweet. It's sweet way stuff. cool. Thanks, guys.
0: Yes. Thank you guys so much. Um, also, shout outs before we get oh, into yeah, the episode. Totally, totally. Um, a podcast on Elm Street, our Canadian guys. That have always been there with us. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> um, I continue to chat with them very frequently um they're awesome check out their podcast it's a podcast on elm street and uh yeah they have some really great stuff i i will admit though i haven't been the best uh listening to podcasts lately (laughs) same like (laughs) Like, i i'm probably four or five episodes behind on our podcast in
1: Elm Street,
0: guys. So sorry, guys. I apologize. I'm gonna I'm like four or five episodes behind on a lot
1: of podcasts. <laughs> <I> usually <laughs> listen to. Yeah, I'm... usually I would listen to podcasts walking to school. Yeah, but since like near the end of that semester, school had been moved online. Like, I was no longer walking to school. I've been right. using Zoom to communicate with classes, so I stopped listening to podcasts. Really, I should yeah. pick up again though, because there's there's a lot that I still want to you know still want to listen to. Just find a new way to fit it into like my daily routine. Oh, for something. sure. Yeah. But yeah so podcast
0: on elm street thank you guys for constantly giving us the support and listening to us and yeah and then uh next shout out would be for the creepy crap podcast mm-hmm. my friend daniel from australia i actually fun fact about him i recently just did an episode with him last weekend or was it the weekend before i think it was the weekend before last i did an episode for him for his podcast and we did final des- the final destination which was a really fun episode um i don't know if he's put it up yet but uh yeah that was a fun episode that was a fun experience i definitely want to do an episode with him again but i want you to be there too roman so like all of us can like you know be there at the same time exactly. it was really fun um but yeah his podcast is the creepy crap podcast and as i have said before he reviews really shitty movies and it's really fun it's It's entertaining. He has a really great sense of humor. So, yeah, you guys should listen to him, and yeah, he's great. And then the last shout-out I want to do is for It's a Horror Podcast, and they're a really awesome podcast as well. Just do horror movies also, and uh, yeah, so check them out. They're really awesome, so.
2: right.
0: And uh, that's all I have. I don't know if you have anyone you want to shout-out or anything like that.
1: Uh. Good for the time being, but I can come back to this at the end of the episode.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I guess without further ado, let's let get us... into the of in skinny. Bit. Yeah, I'll that Roman. Is it. that like the catchphrase now? Is that yeah? What's okay. getting? Are we to gonna make like bit. Are we gonna make like t-shirts? That save I it? think we should. I really do. I think <laughs> okay. we should. That would be great. <laughs> All um... right then. There
1: we go, guys. <laughs> so uh, with this episode, then we are into the '60s. Whew. So to set the vibe movie man how you doing the beatles listening to the beatles can you dig it honestly a lot of the vernacular the word that i say on day to day i've been told by not only michael but like some friends i have uh that i have a very interesting word choice when it comes to things i say you know <laughs> i don't say stuff like "ah, oh, dude that's lit or oh, dude, uh dude low-key you know like very like california ways of talking yeah i say stuff like that are very archaic, <laughs> Like, oh, dude, yeah, I can dig that. I dig that. Which is a very 60s thing to say. Or like, uh, yeah, it doesn't really jive with me. Yeah. I get in the 60s. I don't say groovy. That's weird. Groo- that's groovy. That's definitely a dated uh, dated saying right there. But I'll say weird stuff just because it's fun. It's fun it's to say. It's definitely a little more dated, yeah. So I definitely take a lot of my interesting work choices from the 60s because they said some fun stuff back then. Oh, yeah. And all that jazz. I don't think all that jazz is 60s. Forties, yeah, thirties, twenties—that's that's a way old one. But yeah, love music of the sixties. Oh, I'm a huge same. classic rock kind of guy. Um, so a lot of classic rock bands I listen to kind of began in the sixties. We have obviously the Beatles. I'm a huge Beatle fanatic. Like there's a lot of trivia facts, you name it. I could tell you the Beatles, Walking Beatles Encyclopedia, um, <laughs> and. Yeah, so the Beatles and the music of the sixties with them, I'm a huge fan of. Love the Rolling Stones to the beginning of that time. You know, Rolling Stones really hit their stride in the seventies, but they started in the sixties. Led Zeppelin started in the Mm sixties. Like, it blows my mind that. uh,
0: You were also telling me that the Who started in the sixties, and I was like, "My generation is a sixties
1: song." Um, I'm trying to think of the that Zeppelin song. Shoot, how's it go again? There's, like, a double bass pedal, Good Times, Bad Times.
0: Oh, That's yeah, a 60s yeah, yeah. song. That was, yeah. like, a
1: sixty nine song. So, like, hard rock really started beginning in the 60s and, like, really heavy hard rock stuff. So oh, yeah. Obviously, it's not a music podcast. So I'm not going to go super into it. But, like, <laughs> 60s, like, was very influential to me when it comes to my musical taste. Oh, for sure. And uh, the era of that time. So,
0: yeah. Was also influential for horror films as
1: also well. Also influential for horror films. Nice we little
0: segue into that. Perfect segue. So we
1: have, like... Horror films, beginning at that time, but also just like the shift kind of horror mm-hmm. films. I know that we talked about the 80s being kind of like the heyday and the prime time for slasher flicks. Oh, for sure. Yeah. However, we actually started getting the very first of slasher flicks in the 60s. Mm-hmm. 60s is when the birth of that genre really occurred. It didn't really pick up steam, though, until late 70s yeah. the early 80s. Oh, yeah. So Going away from the time of you know like the forties, forties and fifties films of you know like the like the monster movies or like the yeah. thing, the creature from the black lagoon, Nosferatu, which honestly is the twenties. That's way back then. That's its own era. But Ew. you know, and that the, I don't know
0: why, but that movie used to scare the shit out of me. Like I couldn't. I he's scary looking. To it's me.
1: creepy just because of like the elements of it. Like, yeah. The frame rate of the movie is like that classic like jittery, mm-hmm. and like there's a lot of shots that are like overexposed, underexposed. Yeah. So there's like a very high contrast to it. So there's a lot of elements that make it kind of almost creepy, possibly oh, for, for sure. lack of a better word. Yeah. So Nosferatu is creepy just by how it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the twenties era is its own like horror era where the fifties was like not only a golden era for horror, but it's just called the golden era of cinema because that's when like movies were really breaking out. Oh, for movies sure. were becoming this brand new hot medium and a lot of great horror films came out there. Um, but the 60s represents that transition between the golden era into the slasher or like film renaissance era mm-hmm. of movies of the 70s you know
0: a lot of experimental stuff went down in the 60s too I feel yeah, like a
1: like, lot of a lot of experimenting a lot of like there's a lot of films that are uh, to be frank audience like just crappy just very unwell done because yeah. when you experiment you run the risk of making something that doesn't work oh for but sure but there's a lot of stuff that did work too so uh yeah the 60s was an era of not only experimentation with music free love man we got woodstock but also experimentation with the horror genre oh, for and then sure. really finding stride at the end of the 60s into the next era but 60s you know that was an era for horror as well we and, also uh, yeah. do
0: want to um start this episode off with a little bit of a disclaimer we aren't we are going to be doing things a little bit different today with our yes. top 10 list. We don't technically have a top 10 list, and we'll tell you why. Because <laughs> we've we've discussed in past episodes that the 60s is very black and white for both of us, I feel yeah. like. And I love horror movies, um, but I am not as, like, I guess acquainted with yeah. 60s horror. There are those ones that stand out to me that I've seen many times but there are also ones that i've only seen maybe once or twice or maybe not even at all just have heard about it Mm -hmm. so we wanted to go about this episode being completely honest with you guys about that and not wanting to just sit there and talk about movies that we had no idea what we were talking about so
1: exactly like we wanted our conversations to be that of quality like we want to tell (laughs) you what how we feel about films but from a basis of like we've seen it We've experienced it, we've ruminated it, and genuinely made it to our list because we love the movie for what it is. So we want our conversations to reflect that, that we want to give you the substance of films that we have seen and enjoy, instead of making 50% of the podcast films we enjoyed and then 50% of it just... Spitballing. Spitballing, or just like, kind of rambling on just to fill in the extra gap of what would have been a best 10 or top 10s list. So... Uh, we hope you guys would appreciate that more. We hope you guys would, uh, find that more enjoyable to listen to. More
0: endearing that we're honest with our listeners.
1: (laughs) Five solid picks and discussions rather than ten lukewarm picks and lukewarm discussions. We definitely don't want that. Yeah, we definitely
0: don't want it to be like, um... (laughs) these guys have been rambling on about this same movie for 10 minutes and it's nothing about the movie. Yeah. Have they seen this movie? Do they know anything about this movie? That's yeah, definitely not what we want. I would hate that. Would hate that yeah. like,
1: this, this fool knows nothing of the film. That is my livelihood. Because I, I know not how I saying. am yeah. with people that like
0: think they know about a movie that they have no idea about and I sit there and have like heated arguments with them and I'm like no yeah. if you actually watched <laughs> the movie and paid attention you would know that this happened here and this is why this happened and yeah so i get yeah. it so i guess
1: that's what we want to say we want to make sure that our opinions are genuine like we don't do stuff for fillers and we don't pretend we talk about we don't pretend to talk about something we don't know anything about you know right so if we don't know a film we're gonna be honest we don't know it you yeah know? so that's cool. uh that's what this podcast is that's what this episode is specifically not the top 10 60s films list but our top picks yes for horror films of the 60s yes so glad we got that out of the got way. Got that out of the way. It's <laughs> it was a long beginning for an episode, but you know, it's been a while since we've uh we've talked with you guys, so there's a lot to catch up on. Mm-hmm. But without further ado, let us begin our topics for the sixties. Yes.
0: So, so I guess I'll let you start it off okay. if you'd like.
1: So with that, I will begin with the first one on my list, and it is a film that came out in nineteen sixty three. Ooh.
0: Okay. I think I know what it is. All right. So we might have overlap
1: right here, but it's a film by Alfred Hitchcock and it is called The, the Birds. Birds. We said that at the same we time. Did. That was creepy too. <laughs> the Birds. So, uh, yeah. The reason why this made it on my list is I love Hitchcock. And not only that, Hitchcock has been the inspiration for a lot of filmmakers, not in my time, but even back then. Oh, for know, sure. Spielberg took inspiration from Alfred Hitchcock, Scorsese. All of these guys like have a bit to say for their success due to the influence oh, that for sure. the master of suspense Alfred Hitchcock had onto their films. Because yeah. you could say
0: he's like the the true OG when it comes to like horror directors, like oh, totally. really making a statement and setting forth a, I guess, setting forth a template for other people to follow. Yeah. After, yeah. I, f- I feel like he's really the the true blue, like, OG when it comes to horror and suspense. Like, I mean, there you had directors before him, obviously, that came definitely. before him. I mean, horror's been around for, like, hundreds of years. Before mm-hmm. before movies came out, there were, you know, books published on horror stuff. I don't want to get too much into that. But what I'm saying is that I feel like as far as, like, setting forth a standard and, like, setting forth precedents for other people to follow after he really like set the bar for that, yeah. In my opinion,
1: yeah. So that's true. And they did not call him the master of suspense for nothing. Like this is a man that intrinsically knew the ins and outs of how to tell a suspenseful tale. Yes. Like, um, there's there's like a famous story that he said like I, I grew up in California, so I frequently were a lot of kids around the table like my age at that time would love to go to Disneyland, you know, love to go to Six Flags. I love to go to Universal Studios, Hollywood. Yeah. Because. The riots were fine. There weren't a lot of rides compared to those other parks but they had the one thing that made it the driving force for me to want to go to and that was the studio tour. Yeah. Which is you get in some tram cars, you go into the actual studio backlots of Universal and they give you a guided tour with little video segments explaining the significance of like the studio sound stages that you're going to. And one is when you went to like the little backdrop of like horror films. Like this Mm -hmm. is where they did a lot of the horror films. You know, Universal Pictures is kind of the bedrock of horror film genre their first pictures were horror films in the 1920s yep universal has been around for a long time um and the one that i remember they said uh, a little segment they showed with hitchcock was him explaining like how you write a good scene with like terror suspense yeah you know like uh like something along the lines of to to make a scene like kind of Actiony, or one where you're like, oh shoot, what's gonna happen? Is to have a bomb, put a bomb under the table, yeah. and have the, the protagonist find the bomb and trying to like get rid of it or to dismantle it before the time runs out, you know? Yeah. But he said like a truly suspenseful way to write that is to put a bomb under the table and they don't even know that's there, and they're having a regular conversation, and, you have no and we idea. cut down to that bomb one like a couple like a, every few moments mm-hmm. we get back to, and we see the ticker going lower and lower and lower. He said that is suspenseful. Right? That's really suspending. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it really is, you know? <laughs> so um, audiences, if you've never seen a Hitchcock film, I would entirely recommend it. Because oh, for sure. Because even though they're older films, they look old, they look kind of dated, they're still phenomenal movies that hold up even today, believe it or not. Yeah. Even if they're in black and white. So with the case of the birds, why this made my list is, mm-hmm. to be honest, it's not the strongest Hitchcock film in Definitely
0: not. It's not... Yeah. It's,
1: um, it's not the strongest story. The characters are not that endearing to me in the way other Hitchcock films are, such as like North by Northwest, you know, right. or Vertigo, or Rear Window. Um, however, believe it or not, I feel like the special effects hold up fairly so well. So ahead of its time. They hold up very well opinion, for its time. In like, my opinion. If you look at it in the in the cultural lens of today, you'll be like, this looks very, very bad. But if you look at it in the time of the 60s, like, not even just the the armatures of the birds falling people, but, like, specifically the use of mats and the use of, like, mats, like, green screening, but specific areas. Like, there's a part of the movie where, like, the entire, um, was it a harbor, I think? I think so, yeah. There's, like, a part where, like, there's a fire just erupting and just engulfing everything. It looks so good. It looks so realistic, Mm -hmm. and it's all just, like, here's a miniature... Here's a mat of an actual fire, and we're just going to put it into the cell. Like, do it on a green screen type of thing. Yeah, exactly. And it looks so good. So um, there was a lot of horror films back in the day in which there were special effects, right? Yeah. But the special effects pre-60s, I feel really, really emphasized on prosthetic makeups Mm -hmm. and the costumes of the characters, where I feel the birds... Really took into account of well, let's make a horror film of not of a singular monster, yeah, of a singular entity, but of but many like of them, of many, and making that horrifying and making the effects of the aftermath of the destruction of this yeah. force of nature, if you will, uh, what it causes, and that really impressed me at the time. Oh, for sure, because you hear jokes about like, oh the birds that's such a cheesy movie, but when you actually watch, you're like this isn't really that cheesy. No, it holds up well. So. That, that's my two cents on the birds, but what, what do you have to say about the, the film?
0: Um, I I just love the way he films his movies in particular. I'm very, mm-hmm. like, if if the listeners of this podcast haven't picked up right now, I'm very into the cinematography mm-hmm. portion of film. As You know, um, I also love the story, obviously, and everything that goes into film, but cinematography, for the most part, is, like, my niche niche, niche, however people say it. I know what you're saying. Um, That's, like, where most of my um, love for film comes from, is, like, the cinematography. And I just, the cinematography in this film, so good. Like, so many good shots, so many cool, like, sequences. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, for example, like, when the birds are attacking people and stuff, like, it's just, it's intense. It really is. Like, and as you were saying, it still holds up for, today. It's, I cannot talk today, guys, sorry. (laughs) It still holds up to today's standards for the most part. Like, for it being, gosh, I can't believe this movie is 60 years old this year. Holy crap, (laughs) dude, I feel old. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't, I didn't live back in that time, but gosh, when I think about six decades have gone by since the 60s, since... It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. Gosh. Well, I'm thinking Psycho, that came out in 1960. Sorry, I didn't mean The Birds.
1: Yeah, but generally it's just three years off, you know. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, I just love I love the way he uses cinematography and editing to really amp up the terror mm-hmm. and the dread and the suspense. It it's very everything goes hand in hand. Everything meshes well together. Mm-hmm. He has got a great story on top of great suspense, great cinematography, great editing, and that all all comes together flawlessly to tell a very good story. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about his movies is that he not only is the master of suspense, but he's the master of storytelling and he is the master of like making all of those things mesh together to make one amazing film. Yeah. So that's what I'll say. Also the birds, I'm already kind of weary about birds in general. I think birds are beautiful animals. Mm -hmm. I really do. But Anytime I see a bird, like, out of the corner of my eye, or, like, just coming at me, like, flying towards me, I'm like, ooh! Like, I'm not, I'm not a fan of things flying around me in general, but, like, this movie, like, really made me kind of scared of birds, to Mm -hmm. be honest with you. Like, it's scary. Like, thinking about getting pecked to death, no thanks. Getting my eyes pecked out, no thank you. Especially when it's, like, a
1: mob mentality. There's, like, a whole bunch, like, a flock of birds trying to attack you.
0: Yeah, I, I don't do that. Yeah. So, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, good film. Good, um... And that's a, st- that's my first that's one a good movie. one to start with. So, yeah. Anything else you wanted to say about the birds? Um, no. No? Like I said, my piece. Good. Okay, so, um, I guess going in the vein of Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock, I guess I will go with another Alfred Hitchcock movie, I which... I know what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm sure everybody that's listening yeah. probably knows what it is, too but this movie came out in 1960 and that is Psycho. Psycho. Probably one of, probably his most well-known
1: film. One of the like iconic horror films, you know, like when you talk about the genre of horror films, you always throw around like Michael Myers of the Halloween series, Freddy Krueger of the Friday the 13th series, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street series, (laughs) um, Jason of the Friday the 13th series. There you go. But you always get, you know, um, Bates Motel, Psycho, Mm -hmm. iconic shower scene. Like it's such a, a pivotal moment in film lexicon and film history that even if you don't watch movies, you know about psycho, even if you don't watch horror films, you know about psycho, you know? So it's one of those films that of course audiences, it had a made up sixties list. And besides that, it's such a great film. It's a classic. Even outside of the era that it is in, or the fact that it's a horror film, like this film, when I first watched it really blew me away.
0: Oh yeah. Really crazy. I mean, it still blows me away when mm-hmm. I watch it. Like, there's, like, that, the the whole shower scene is terrifying still. Yeah. And it, it has a lot to do, like what I said before, like, uh, when we want to go back to, like, the way he edits it, mm-hmm. the way he edits it, just, like, quick shots of just this and that, and quick it's shots, chaotic. And... Also,
1: like, really, like, tiptoed around the MPAA at the time, mm-hmm. and make sure you could assure, like, a rating that, like, it is R-rated, I think.
0: I believe so, yeah. But, like,
1: I think at the time it was one of those moments where the MPA was like, we can't release his films in theater if it's too Gory, graphic, graphic, comedy, yeah. you know? So he edited, yeah, the film in such a way that it's, like, quick cut after, mm-hmm. cut, after cut after cut after cut. You don't see too much, but it's still very shocking. Which almost makes it scarier. It does, Like, yeah. it's
0: just the less is more approach mm-hmm. that I wish modern horror movies of today still kind of went by yeah i get that like horror is constantly evolving and changing but i feel like there's certain things that make a lot of these older horror films stand the test of time and that is because they take their time building up the tension they take their time like telling a good story as opposed to a lot of these movies that we get nowadays that are just like cheap jump scares every five seconds because you know mm-hmm. there needs to be a jump scare in here or people are gonna get bored yeah. and that's the sad reality honestly like there's a lot and i'm not i'm not talking down to anybody that doesn't like movies like psycho that that take the time to build tension but there are a lot of people that that's not their vibe yeah that's not their groove like they don't like watching movies that take forever to build something up they which want... is
1: such a shame because it's like there's some films that are really phenomenal oh for sure and i think it's just a reflection of like the evolution of editing since then. Like, Mm -hmm. pacing has changed dramatically. Like, movies at the time, you might get maybe four or five cuts in a minute. Yeah. Or like movies today, you might get 20 or 30 cuts in the same minute. Gosh, yeah. (laughs) And just always changing. So it it really shows the, I don't want to say like, the very ADD nature of audiences today, but it definitely shows like a shift in like amping things up speeding things up to Mm -hmm. get an audience's attention oh for sure which is fine you know it it reflects our our our, the way we view cinema today but it sucks when it makes it so that audiences like almost religiously refuse to watch older films just because they feel it's too slow too boring
0: and i like i've been guilty of that in the past too like Mm -hmm. maybe that's why i don't have as much of a profound knowledge on older horror movies as i do like with more. i mean i feel like the 70s list last yeah. last last episode was really pretty like was really easy to do yeah um but like with older movies like i've been guilty of that too i'm like i don't really want to watch a black and white movie i don't mm-hmm. really want to why do why would i want to watch a black and white movie when i can watch one that's in color i don't know it sounds stupid and it sounds like really like uh what's the word surface value i yeah. guess that i'm not really like
1: but it's 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 a reflection of like the the culture that we grew up in mm-hmm. of, of movies to watch too so like yeah i there's there's times where i'm guilty of it too uh just saying like i don't feel like watching that i'd rather watch this i'd rather watch that but there are values in those films you know there are oh, values and sure. like watching the classics you know so um yeah
0: yeah um was that, oh i also wanted to say like um I love how Alfred Hitchcock kind of. He, there are a lot of twists and turns in this film too. Yeah. I don't want to spoil the ending, but what I, um, I do want to spoil something. So, spoil
1: alert! Like, is it listeners. okay? It's like a six-year-old film. Like, yeah. Shouldn't we be able to? Yeah. Because there's like very pivotal things that like. Oh, maybe we should. I don't know.
0: Maybe if we want to talk about like the character of Nor- like I do want to get into the character of Norman Bates um in a minute but yeah. what i do want to say first is i love that they did the whole you start out with this character that you think you're going to follow throughout the entire film and then she gets what killed off like 20 30 minutes in yes roughly she's that's she's like, the one that gets killed in the shower and it then, really plays with
1: the fact that um it plays with the fact of structure in film narratives oh like. yeah when I watched the movie, I felt like it broke like almost a, a cardinal rule. It felt mm-hmm. like when you are watching the film, and I think that shocked a lot of people back then when the film came out, as well as even people today or filmmakers today. Like, oh yeah, um, for audiences, yeah, we do follow a a woman that we're led to believe is our protagonist for the story, mm-hmm. and it's not until the midway point, in which she's killed in the infamous shower shower scene, that we realize this is not her story. It is actually the story of Norman Bates, yep. the owner. Of this shady, rundown motel, that was just so wild. Yeah, you don't even see Norman until what feels like the midway point uh-huh. of the film. So, even now, as a as a filmmaker, you know, just in the cusp of graduating uh, my film degree, it still feels like it sounds like there's so many rules that are being broken right now. So many like, yeah. narrative structures that are just completely being upended, and yet the film still works. Yeah, you know, you never hear of, like. Teachers or filmmakers or critics say like Psycho is an awful film and <laughs> it completely defies narrative, so it should be avoided. It Can you imagine like, people like nobody saying says that. that because it's a great film? Yeah, you know,
0: I can't imagine anybody saying that about this film. Like, it's hard it's, to imagine anybody not liking this film because like,
1: if anyone ever said like, oh yeah, I hated Psycho, it's like you're you've you invalidated any opinion you have going forward. You can't talk anyway. to me. Basically, <laughs> you yeah. can't sit with us. Yeah. <laughs> so. <sighs> Um yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure most of the people listening to the podcast right now, they have seen Psycho, but if you Mm -hmm. haven't, do yourself a favor. We won't spoil it right now, but Yeah, I say like
0: let's not spoil the ending, but we can I I would like to take a bit of a moment to talk about the character of Norman Bates. I I love how his character isn't just like outrightly psychotic. No. It's more of like a, a build up. His uh like his demeanor Anthony Perkins yeah phenomenal like his presentation
1: of the character of Norman Bates his presentation of psychosis is very realistic oh yeah like that is some a plus acting right there like oh man if if there's anything you could get from acting of the 50s and 60s it's this it's really good oh for sure yes there's a dime a dozen of like a, a whole bunch of like uh Films back then where the acting is atrocious, it's very yeah. awful. But there's moments where it's phenomenal, like it's acting you don't even see today.
0: Like you know? even better than yeah, like I was just gonna say that. I was just gonna say like even better than like some people that I watch act today. I'm like, damn, totally. They just yeah. don't act like they used to. Like
1: <laughs> uh, Humphrey Bogart. I think that's like my favorite old timey mm-hmm. actor. That guy's so phenomenal. In case you're wondering, uh, Casablanca audiences, but that's not a horror film. But still, phenomenal movie. But anyway, yeah, the character of Norman Bates, the way he's played out in the film, is just great.
0: He has like this charming demeanor. I almost want to like, almost kind of relate him to Ted Bundy a little bit.
1: Yeah, because in he the sense has that, like, this charming
0: like mm. outer exterior, but on the inside, he has like some dark shit going on in yeah, his it's,
1: head. It's like, uh, like me and Swayze, we love to watch like true crime stuff. So oh, Swayze damn. more than me. Like, I like watching like paranormal stuff. Yeah, like, creepy stuff. The true crime stuff, it's sometimes a little too real for you. It gets too real, uh-huh. it gets too like. Oh, these are real people. This really happened. Yeah, it, it could be upsetting depending on the outcome oh, of a for certain sure. case. Yeah, I'm the um, same
0: way. Like yeah. sometimes I have to decompress for a while after. Yeah, because I listen to a lot of true crime stuff on like podcasts and stuff. Yes. sometimes I have to take away, uh, take a break from it because it really kind of like starts affecting my.
1: Because you think like, oh, these are actual people. These yeah, like people this really like, happened, and then it really like, gets really me suffer Really might have you know like
0: the, yeah, and it gets me yeah. down this rabbit hole of thinking like, how can somebody do that to another human being and and stuff like that. But anyway,
1: yeah, sorry, no, yeah. It's sort of, but like with that state of mind, like, knowing, like, true uh, crime podcasts and true crime stories, like, I feel like Anthony Perkins, the actor, really nailed that kind of, like, when you are, like, anti not anti-social, um, a sociopath, mm-hmm. you do try to create this very likable like persona, this, persona, this yeah. persona of being likable, this persona of being uh, calm and collective and charming, even, to feed the, the those urges yeah. those murderous natures that some sociopaths would have you know like serial killers possess you know it is mm-hmm. a front it is a mask that is worn to capture their prey more yeah. or less. And, and I feel like Anthony Perkins really captured that spirit because when you start the film when you see him he's a likable guy he's really yeah. nice so when we get to the point in which we are revealed his true intention his yeah. true uh animosity, it's all the more chilling and all the more like realistic realistic, you know? yeah. Like we feel like oh this very tangible. Is, it's very tangible. So great acting. Great oh, acting. So good. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. And, and it also uh that was the movie that kind of I guess started Jamie Lee Curtis's career in a sense. Really? Like his well, because I don't want to say that she wouldn't have gotten Halloween if her mom wasn't the one that was in psycho mm. but her mom you but know, she was a connection. Her mom was a horror scream queen. Mm-hmm. And so for her mom to be in Psycho kind of opened the door for Jamie Lee Curtis to be in Halloween. Yeah. And so I feel like if we had never gotten Psycho, I don't, you know, who knows how Halloween would have turned out. That's true. We may have never gotten a Halloween. Yeah. Who knows? Because it's like you said, it's, it's, you know, even John Carpenter took a lot of, like when you watch Halloween, that is what Halloween is. It's a lot of suspense, a lot of buildup, a mm-hmm. lot of what you don't see is more scary than what you do see. And he took a lot of, he took, I feel like he took a lot of inspiration from Psycho, but Mm -hmm. it was like more of like a love letter type of vibe. so it's like going back to the, the original statement, how Alfred Hitchcock, I feel like was one of the very first trailblazers when it came to horror and suspense that really paved the way for others that came after for him to like, you know, took inspiration. Mm -hmm. So, anyway yeah no yeah totally but yeah psycho i really love it psycho it's great film, classic
1: iconic hitchcock if there's if there's any hitchcock film that you have to see and there's only one you can choose i would argue it should be psycho, psycho. yeah
0: either psycho or rear window because i love rear window rear Window's
1: good too i'm still gonna put my money on psycho because of the infamous nature the film has not the infamous oh, yeah. the famous nature that the film has.
0: Oh, can we yeah. also talk about the score really quick before we the move The score was also like the revolutionary. It's terrifying.
1: The time. It's it's simple, but yeah. it's like barbaric. It's brutal in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. And the strings just dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun like John Williams obviously took inspiration and wrote the jaw score almost an homage. Yeah. But like in instead of like a horrific, startling way that is psycho it's very dr- more of jarring. A, like, you know like like Undertones. deep in your in your gut deep in the pit of your stomach like that worrying feeling mm-hmm. so he took like the the primal instincts of fear in man and instead of going like the height of fear more like the the anxiety inducing fear yeah of, uh, in the case of Jaws like what a shark attack would probably feel like if you saw that fin coming straight at you so yeah. Psycho in that regard as well with his score was very trailblazing Oh, for at sure. That point. Um, shoot, I don't even remember who did the score for Psycho. Was it? Uh, let me let me just look it up right here, really quick. Yeah, I don't remember. Bernard Herrmann, who is known for his work in the Twilight Zone. Oh, so okay, da, 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 exactly. Yeah. So there you go, guys. That's a guy who also, I guess, had his hand in a lot of like creepy mm-hmm. horror type stuff. And I loved the Twilight Zone as a kid. Like, uh, i couldn't watch it when no. i was a kid it, free- uh-huh. it
0: was really i don't know if it was like the fact that it was in black and white that creeped mm. me out because like i feel like a lot of movies back in that era 50s, like yeah. are creepy because they are in black and white i don't know how to explain it no, do you know what i mean yeah. it's
1: just like an uncanny valley type of deal yeah it's something
0: that you don't see all the time nowadays yeah. and so it's like something that's just very like off kilter i guess yeah so like there's reason. certain movies that like really give me like creepy creepy vibes that like the wizard of oz for example that's not a horror movie but that movie it's in color yeah but that I, that movie i don't know that movie
1: freaks me out for but that moment reason. though where we go black and well technically it's not black and white they did like or maybe it was in the theatrical release mm-hmm. i don't know but like the versions that i've seen as a kid it's like sepia tone and then once we get yeah, to like uh-huh. the actual opening of to the yellow bird yeah it's like that's a pretty crazy scene. Mm-hmm. That's a cool scene. The tornado scene? The, is that no, like where about? she opens the door and then we see from <gasps> oh, sepulits a yeah. full Technicolor.
0: That's wild. You want to talk about a film that was ahead of its time. That film is like set design, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Special effects, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, I just can't believe that movie is, mm-hmm. what, the thir- th- 30s?
1: 1930, uh, I want to say four. That's what I was going to say I too. I could be wrong but... the way you look it up though. The magic of the internet. Not to I get too off-subject mm-hmm. talking about The Wizard of Oz, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> but of trailblazing films. Right. Amongst them. No, 1939. That's oh, okay. There. Amongst them is obviously Psycho. Yes. And that's a great film right there. Very good film. And that is uh, my number two, but we've had overlap, so you're number two. Yeah. Um, we really only have, like, a top five list for this episode. Roughly, yeah. So because of that, I think... Because of our very drawn out opening. Maybe we should go to break.
0: Yeah. And then come so, back to it after that.
1: Oh, for sure. Okay, yeah. cool. All right then. So with that, we're gonna go on break and stick around and you'll hear the remainder of our top films of the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All, right. All right, and we're back uh to resume our top sixties horror film list. Yes. So with that, uh my turn next, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So my next film is a film that comes at the very end of the decade, 1968. Oh, I Pivotal have this film one for too. Its year. Yep. Pivotal film for its genre, mm-hmm. and a film whose filmmaker shares the same name as my own. Yep. 1968's *Rosemary's Baby* by Roman Polanski. I have that one too. And I got a lot of people say like, "Oh shoot, like the filmmaker. Your name is Roman. That guy's a filmmaker. Any coincidence I'm like that?" Oh. No. that's exactly what it is it's just a coincidence like, I, <laughs> yeah. my parents thought like I'm gonna name this kid Roman and he is gonna so he grow up film to filmmaker. be
0: a film prodigy well
1: I think more like my mom got upset when people like drew that comparison yeah, because she's well, like, he's, that's a filmmaker you don't want to be associated yeah, with he's
0: got some very uh,
1: besides dark. um separating the artists from yes. their their tumultuous past yeah that's putting it lightly uh, hmm. Rowan Polanski is a very skilled filmmaker, very skilled director, and definitely, regardless of his history, has a strong footing in the horror genre. Yeah. You know. And besides horror films, he's made great films past that as well. Like if you ever seen The Pianist with Adrian Brody, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's a great film also. Um but yeah, today we're talking about Rosemary's Baby. Um is that on your list? It is on my list. list. too. Yes, All it right. Is. So that film, um it's been a while since I've seen it. It yeah. was brought back into my my just psyche. Yeah. Last year when Quentin Tarantino released uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is like a screen capture of I still the nineteen sixties, the late sixties. It's centered around it's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like Tarantino's revisionist history kind of movie. So Yeah. Like if you've seen The Glorious Bastards, you know yeah. like that's like uh-huh. the fictional story of okay, like I don't want to bring it up in the podcast, but for the past <laughs> hour, audiences, I've been getting robocalls while we're recording. It's so frustrating. <laughs> this is like what the fifth one.
0: Yeah, you're uh, really popular today. God,
1: popular with some random number in Georgia that leaves no message or anything. Okay,
2: all right. Yeah. Anyway,
1: back into <laughs> what I was saying. Um, yeah, so Tarantino has like a love of like doing revisionist history kind of movies, mm-hmm. like *Inglorious Bastards*. That's about like what if. This is the way Hitler died at, at the end of the World War II. Yeah. Um, Django Unchained is about the story of a, a slave who had recently been freed and he becomes a bounty hunter to rescue his wife who's being owned by a southern plantation worker, mm-hmm. you know, like, and all these, like, um, not to be frank, but what I like to call justice boner films, like <laughs> yeah. films where it's like traditionally in history, there's like such injustice that occurred. But we're going to write a story that is not entirely factual, but what if this happened where these uh, evil entities, these evil people in these stories got their just desserts, you know? Mm-hmm. So hardcore, raging justice boners. Uh, I love these films because of that, you know? like <laughs> so Maybe not- that's why I really don't like true crimes because there's a yeah. lot of true crime podcasts and stories where it's like the opposite. So- it's like awful and there's no kind of ca- catharsis right. with it. Right. Whereas like these films are like, oh, it's very cathartic because they get it just what they deserved
0: yeah so i don't i i have not seen once upon so I once upon it for time you. in hollywood but, but i know. know that some of it centers around sharon tate yes. which is Ro- happened to be roman polanski's wife yes um and, and she... it's a big
1: part of the movie like the movie is kind of it's a backdrop of many different things going on we're falling around a 60s actor we're falling around a 60s stuntman we're mm-hmm. falling around uh sharon tate her friends and all that and but then, the cohesive theme of the movie is it is based off of the Charles Manson murders. Okay. And it is revisionist history, so I don't want to say anything. It's like, it's Tarantino's take on it, but that's what the movie's about.
0: Okay, yeah, because I, I, I knew that it had something to do with Sharon Tate, because I had seen the trailers for it. Yeah. Margot Robbie, holy shit. She did phenomenal. I haven't seen it, like, but like, what I said, saw. Like,
1: from... She was angelic, and her portrayal of her own sister, the yeah. late Sharon Tate, was spot on it was a very heartfelt and genuine portrayal of her sister and yeah. that, that's always great to
0: hear and can I just say though I'm also very, I'm like obsessed with Sharon Tate like I'm obsessed mm. with her I think you like the movie
1: then I really think you do because they do a great job yeah. like the movie feels like almost an homage to Sharon Tate yeah but on with that note like there has been some criticism saying Tarantino like spent a lot of time courting uh, Sharon Tate's sister I don't remember her name I, I and I think it was Diane I could be wrong but like Sharon's sister and like making sure like is this okay is this kind of movie like respectful of like her image and she said yes it was I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that but he really denounced Roman Polanski like he went nowhere to his Roman Polanski asked no kind of input some people say that's fine some people that rubbed in the wrong way either way it's a good film Yeah. the reason why I bring the film up to begin with is the movie Rosemary's Baby makes an appearance in that film because it's oh, around that's that cool. time, okay. and like that's when that movie got back into my psyche. Like, oh yeah, that's a great film. And yeah. watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then remembering my first experience watching the film, it is still a good movie. Oh, it still yeah. really holds up today. Like, oh my gosh, and it's horrifying. It's horrifying. It's really, like, but like it's horrifying in the same way that like The Shining is horrifying, mm. where it's mm-hmm. it very psychologically terrifying film right so know? it's
0: like you watch it and you're like is she just losing her mind yeah. like are is the shit that she's experiencing like actually happening or is this just gonna be like a i don't know yeah you know like a is she, she delusional? imagines the whole thing she delusional of, yeah. is she
1: um like her and her husband are trying to conceive a child so it's yeah. like the stresses of like moving into his new apartment trying to have a kid trying to start a family is it just in her head is she really going mad because she is in a new location there might mm-hmm. be something weird going on so Roman really preys on like your, as an audience's uncertainty of what's going on and, and aligns it with Sharon Tate's character and it makes it all the more just like trippy trying to figure out what's happening. You know Sharon Tate's character not Sharon Tate's character I'm sorry Mia Farrow's character yeah <laughs> okay I was yeah. like, like, okay, like, for second. like yeah. um, Mia Farrow's character are we He's still Mark talking about Once film. Upon a Time in Hollywood I think or? I was no yeah <laughs> Mia Farrow's character in the film like we were aligned with her uncertainties and that sorry just, I didn't mean to correct you I no you're good no, to I, was like, clarify, no. Cause I was I sat there for a moment and I was like
0: are we still talking about Once Upon a T- Time in Hollywood,
1: or are we talking about Rosemary's Baby? I was confused. No, so no, I no, just had no, no. to. Okay, but no, the lead <laughs> actress in uh, Rosemary's Baby, yeah, Rosemary's Baby, Mia Farrow, and uh, and yeah, like the performances in the films are phenomenal. Really, the good. finale, like I don't know if we want to spoil the ending or anything, but like the finale of the film is, it plays like a fever dream, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to. It's, and it's so weird. It's like, it's um. It's creepy in how ritualistic it feels. I'll just say that. Well, it, seen
0: it. And also I find it really kind of unnerving because it's like, see, and I'm with you. I haven't seen this movie in a while. So mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I do love this movie, but it has been a couple of years since I sat down and watched it again. Is she familiar with any of these people that come into her? Apartment? Uh, she's not. See, that's but what's unnerving pl- to me. They
1: play like they know her. So it's like, Everybody who talks to her in the film that she, when she moves into his new apartment, they're like gaslighting her heart. right? They're like, oh, you don't remember me on this, on this, on that, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I do remember you. When it, when she's alone and closed doors, she's like, I don't know these people. When she's talking to her husband, like, they act like they know me. She's just do very I polite. Know them? Yeah, yeah, she's like too worried to like come off as offensive, and I think that's where, like, maybe that mo- like horror trope. Like, yeah. I may be wrong, but like, this movie definitely uses that trope where it's like the. The sheep in the wolf's den. Mm-hmm. Is that the saying?
0: The the sheep in or the wolf in sheep's clothing. Exactly. Like
1: everybody treats her nice and she's too nice to do anything and that becomes her undoing. Yeah. That becomes her 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 folly. And there's many horror films that play off of that kind of mechanic mm-hmm. where it's like a person who is too polite or too afraid or just too amiable it's to almost, say otherwise. It's almost kinda of like hereditary. Like what happens
0: to uh, Tony Collette's character in Heroditary. It's almost the same thing. Exactly.
1: Just like that kind of like unwillingness because you're just... Mm -hmm. Fearful is not a good word, but just like you're too assuming the best of the forces around you. Yeah. And that becomes your undoing. And that is very much the core of Rosemary's Baby, you know? And it makes it even more painful to watch as you see it go on where you're like, she's way too nice. Get out of There's there. There's something wrong doing? with
0: these people. Yeah. And, oh my God. And that's what freaks me out about this movie because I i have been told many times and I know this about myself. It's a quality that I'm trying to um, get better at not being, but I'm very trusting of people mm-hmm. like to the point where it's like, I'm almost naive in a sense that I'm Almost like, against your better judgment. Right. And that's it's good. like, you would think that with me listening to all this true crime stuff and and being as- a paranoid person in nature, you would think that that would be the opposite. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm, I'm that person that's like, Oh, I want to believe that the best in people I want to, you know, I want to believe that this person has nothing but good intentions. So it's like when I watched Rosemary's baby, like I put myself in her shoes and I'm like, I'd probably feel the same way. I'd be like, I wouldn't want to be rude and be like, I don't know you, you know, it's not in my nature. Like there have been times I I can recall, several instances in my life where people that I have no fucking clue who this person is have come up to me and been like, Hey, do you remember me? And I'm just like, Yeah, and I'll have a conversation with this person for like five minutes that I have no idea yeah. who this person is and it's just because I'm too nice to be like, I don't know who you are, like go away. Like Yeah. And oh, so it's like awful situation <laughs> to be yeah. 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 So it's like when I watch when I watch Rosemary's baby like I can relate to her character. And I think that's what makes it frightening to me is because I put myself in her shoes and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what if I got myself in that situation one of these days, like, Mm -hmm. unassuming, like, unassumingly, like, put myself inside of, like, a cult or something yeah, because I'm, like, too nice and I'm too, like, trusting of people. So it's like... Like the
1: inability to say no eventually just takes you down this awful
0: Mm
2: rabbit
1: yeah and
0: so that is where a lot of my fear from this movie comes from is just like i mean it is a terrifying film in general because you're dealing with like demonic themes yeah and that freaks me out yeah that that freaks me out too but then you also have the fact that like you really don't truly know anybody Mm -hmm. it's like you really you really don't know anybody's true intentions
1: you know um to the point where you make it like, you get to a point where you sort of second-guess your own intentions, and right. your own thoughts, and your own voice in your head, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's why, to me, it stands out as being, like, a really, I don't know, terrifying movie. Oh, totally. So, totally. yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, Rosemary's Baby. That's that's my number three on my top five list. Such, such a terrifying film, and also just a way that it's shot, like... For the time it was kind of groundbreaking groundbreaking just for the point that it plays with the photographic notion like a, a tenet of teaching photography of ambiguous imagery mm-hmm. and Roman Polanski plays with that idea by creating intentionally ambiguous shots where we don't get the full picture of what's yeah. like occurring on the screen like for example there's a shot where Mia Farrow's character Rosemary goes behind uh, goes into her bedroom, on her mattress, talks on the phone, but the door covers her up to the point where we only really see her legs. Oh, okay, her yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. And it just, it's a visual that makes us kind of want to just peer in there, but it sends us the message mm-hmm. that we're seeing something that we're kind of not supposed to see. We're peering yeah. into her life. There's, infra- I don't remember exactly what she's talking about in the scene, but it's uh, a a hush scene, a scene mm-hmm. in which it's secretive, you know? And it kind of broke some boundaries in the fact that films weren't really being shot that way, where it's like, no, you want to see everything in full, crystal clear daylight. Yeah. Let's get a key light on her, back like that, make it look really good, make sure we know what the frontal. Me. Exactly. <laughs> where Roman's like, no, 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 let's just, let's just get her legs. Yeah. And that's it. And a little bit of that door. But
0: I like that, though. But even his I editor like was it.
1: like... When he told his editor, edit it like this, he's like, why do you want to do that? He's like, because when audiences watch this film, they're going to do this number. They're going to try to like, yeah, like lean over to the right and peer through the door, and that's going to make them focus more on the dialogue. And he was right. It definitely made the scene much more like it grabbed our attention mm-hmm. because of the fact that it felt like we were being pushed away in this moment, and we want to peer in. So, Which is so cool. It's it's like the psychology yeah. of the... the 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 layout the cinematography mm-hmm. the staging of a shot and that's super cool and f that's a shot they teach in a film school even today you know i love that so it's yeah. uh not just the story not just the acting but even just the cinematography and the framing of it is such a like pinnacle part of not just horror filmmaking but just films today oh, So yeah that's why that made it into my top fives list for 60s films love it so yeah As well as yours. It was on your list Yes, it was on my list. It was indeed.
0: Cool, cool. That's a good film. Is there anything else you wanted to say about it before we move on?
1: Um, No, I'm good. If you guys have seen it, if you haven't, check it out. All right.
0: Okay, so I'm really excited to talk about this one because this is one I actually watched last night again. Okay. I revisited last night. Okay. Um, It's one of my favorite favorite 60s films um i i don't want to say that i've known about this film for like a really long time i mean i've known about it but i just recently like watched this film maybe five years ago
1: what year uh 60,
0: 67 i believe
1: oh shoot not on my list i don't know that. yeah six,
0: 1967 so um it stars audrey hepburn and um
1: it's direct it's not an average hitchcock
0: movie no it's directed yeah. by terrence young hmm. so um it's called wait until dark have you heard of it
1: uh, i don't even think i've heard of it now. what yeah.
0: oh okay so the imdb uh description basically is a recently blinded woman is terrorized by a trio of thugs while they search for a heroin stuffed doll they believe is in her apartment so heroin like the
1: drug. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So she, unbeknownst to her, she become kind of like the unofficial owner of this doll, that is like being chased around by like like it said a trio of like criminals and stuff that are trying to get this like doll that has all this heroin in it, and um, it basically pretty much takes place just entire entirely in this apartment that she's living in, and it's so cool because. This is one of the first movies, because you know you have movies that like like A Quiet Place now that are kind of, or Don't Breathe, where it's like very, they rely on a, uh, a lack of a sense. So like whether it's sight yeah. or sound or something like that, this was one of the first movies of its kind to do that concept. So she's like entirely blind throughout this entire movie. And Audrey Hepburn, so convincingly plays a blind person in this film like it's amazing her act her acting is so good in this and i love the um it's very slow burn like nothing really happens at like for the first like maybe 45 minutes nothing really happens Mm -hmm. it's just more so like i don't know setting up this character and setting up the characters that she interacts with and um setting up like the basis for this like doll essentially that they're after and uh it's just oh, it's just really like I'm trying to explain in a clear way because I had all these ideas of how I wanted to explain it before we talked about it and that's why I was so excited mm-hmm. um so for example there's like since she doesn't have like the sense of sight she has to basically go off all of her other senses to figure out what's going on around her so for example there's a scene there's a ridiculous scene in this movie where these like this trio of thugs they're basically trying to make it seem like there's a scenario that's not actually occurring Mm -hmm. but they're playing all these different characters so there's one guy that's coming in playing like a, a cop But then he's coming in again, like, later on playing another character, trying to, like, make her think that there's all these different people that are coming and going. Mm -hmm. But she starts to realize, like, um, on her other, like, with her other senses, she's starting to realize, um, that person, like, the way their shoes made sounds or the way that they, um, yeah. She basically picks up on something like their shoe squeaks and she realizes that there was a different person with a different name that had that same sound so she's basically relying on like all these sounds and and then you've got this other character like this other girl that lives in the apartment like above her or something like that um she kind of has like a nice little um character moment in this film as well she kind of helps her out with like trying to figure this out and so when you when you start i mean you you're kind of already ahead of her character a little bit and that's what i feel like brings the suspense out because like you know what's happening but she doesn't so you're watching her like pieces together as as if she does well how do i explain as it unfolds yeah so okay. like she doesn't she doesn't really know exactly quite what's going on right away but you already kind of have the gist of this like
1: so you know if like whatever action she goes moving forward like oh that'll be a good thing oh no, that's a bad thing. What are you doing? Yeah, don't do that. that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's like she starts to pick up on things that you've already been picking up for a long time. So it's like, but it doesn't ruin the moment. Like it doesn't take away any tension because then when you realize when it clicks in her head, what's going on Mm -hmm. and she has, there's a moment where she, where she realizes that all of these people that she's been listening to she realizes that it's like pretty much been the same person. And she has this moment where she's like, oh my God, I'm going to like die. Basically. Mm -hmm. She has this moment where she like has a freak out moment and it's terrifying because she's, you know, blind. What is she going to do? And it's like, you're following her character and it's like, you're terrified along with her character because you, if you put yourself in her shoes, that would be a terrifying scenario. Yeah. I know I'm not doing a very good job explaining this film, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to explain because it's like, um, watching it again last night, I was kind of like, okay, okay, yeah. And then I was like, some things I had totally forgotten about and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And that makes sense for this. And that, and yeah, it's, it's a, it's a interesting film. Like the way they set it up, like the whole situation that I, just talked about with, like, the three men coming in and out, pretending to be different people. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a clusterfuck of a movie in certain parts, (laughs) and you're just like, what is happening? Like, you're kind of confused just as much as she is, except you have the sense of sight, and she
1: doesn't. So it's like... And they're intentionally, the (coughs) filmmaker's intentionally throwing you into the confusion Mm -hmm. to sell the narrative and make you feel Feel connected with the protagonist. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, um, and just... I. I just love the concept of this film. Like I just love the the idea of a blind woman being terrorized by three people that are breaking into her apartment to look for something that she doesn't even know if she has. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. So, and then she kind of ends up like outsmarting them, which is really fun. I love watching movies <laughs> where the tables turn and the prey or the the hunter becomes the prey in a sense. And so it's like reverse the roles and You've got, you know, the reversal of that, and I I like that concept, so. Yeah. So wait until dark. Wait I'm until so dark. sorry, you guys. Yeah, I Audrey like... Audrey Hepburn, all right. Audrey Hepburn, yep. Yeah. If I'm guy. not mistaken, I'm pretty sure she got nominated for an Oscar for that Really? Film. Okay, Yeah, cool. and I think she may have won an Oscar for that film. Really? So. But her acting, phenomenal. Her acting is so good. If we want to talk about, like, like, of course, the Audrey
1: Hepburn. <laughs> of
0: course. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Wait Until Dark. That's my right. number, what, three?
1: Yeah, right? Yeah, number three. Yeah. So, right. whatever one's next on your list. All right. So, I always have a curveball in all of my lists. Love it. And 60s, uh, no different. No different. There's always going to be a curveball. So, with this one, this is a foreign film. It came out in 1964. You got guess. It's is it a
0: French it film? It is a Japanese film. Okay. I can picture the cover of this film. It's like a face with like writing on it. Is it this one? Oh, no.
1: <laughs> 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 I just showed my screen. I was wrong. So this is a 60s horror film uh, directed by Kaneto Shindo, and it is Onibaba. Came out in 1964. Uh, this was a film that I actually... Didn't go out of my way to watch, but I watched for my film analysis class mm-hmm. uh, in college. This was my freshman year of college. And, oh, my God, was this film, like, absolutely controversial when he showed it in class Yeah, as a professor. Just because, like, um, I went to a film school in Utah, you know? Yeah. And there's some filmmakers here that understand that sometimes you're going to watch films that may not necessarily align with your morals, but mm-hmm. you would still respect it yeah. for the art of cinema. And other filmmakers who, like, I don't want to sound rude, but like, oh, those don't align with my morals, so I refuse to watch it. So I still think I'm going to be a fantastic filmmaker, <laughs> even though I haven't watched classic films such as The Godfather or Goodfellas or, you know, these great films yeah. that are pivotal that you should watch. But you refuse to watch for reasons. I'm just going to say it like that. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah um, without getting too... Yeah, and, like, even my professor was upset about that, when people were like, oh, I don't want to watch this movie. Because the film itself, it's like, uh, the general nature of it is Mm -hmm. it's a, it's set during feudal Japan, during a civil war that's going on in Japan, and two women make a living by when local people start, like, stopping at a rest stop, they go to their rooms, they kill them, they take their belongings and sell it, and then they dump the body into a ditch. Oh, lovely. Um... (laughs) When one of the women starts having an affair with a nearby neighbor, the other sister, their sisters, realizes that they're starting to get haunted by this samurai that wears an Oni mask or a devil mask. Mm-hmm. And as an audience, we're not sure if this is an omen, like a dead spirit that is yeah. haunting them from the grave, you know, from like the, the civil war that's going on, or if truly is a samurai that is just effing with them. You know, mm-hmm. we don't know. Yeah. So there's a strong like supernatural element to the film there's a strong sense of like, like, female sexual empowerment is a strong message from the woman's side, but also like, with that, the sin of committing sexual acts and the adultery she's committing and the, the the punishment that comes with that. In the same way that Halloween has that too. Yeah. You know, every time you see a teenagers engaging in any any kind of sexual activity, their looming is Michael, you know, Mm -hmm. and his, like, and so like, Almost the very act of sect itself is kind of seen as something that can you be damned by doing it. Yeah. In the Halloween universe, and that kind of is the same feel you get from Oni Baba. Okay. With that though, because of there's the nature of it, she's having a sexual affair with a nearby neighbor, uh unbeknownst to his own wife, there's there's nudity. There's hot and heavy scenes, as hot as you can get for the sixties, you know. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's stuff that like um very prim and proper filmmakers of my program had objections to and my professor had to go up on a soapbox for a second rightly so though i kind of agree with him yeah so like look if this offends you and you don't want to make or even watch movies like this to glean knowledge then from you it,
0: should not be a filmmaker he pretty much just said
1: like then maybe you should find a different program maybe you yeah. should find a different major within our college because this is not for you and it's true you know like art is subjective yes but at the same time you should be exposed to specific art. Appreciate it for the art that it is, right? You know what I mean? Like, I there's a lot of films that I wouldn't make, I would not make shock horror films. Yeah. I do not like the films that Rob Zombie make. I don't like movies that, like, almost in an exploitative nature, use rape as a story mechanism. Ugh, However, yeah. I do recognize that there's moments in these films that are solid filmmaking, right? You know, and I still glean something from it, exactly. You have to know what you like and don't like by experiencing it you know what i mean yeah. so the filmmakers that are like oh that's just pg-13 or r-rated by default i won't watch it because of its rating i find that ridiculous yeah because there's some films that are an r-film that are softer than another film that can be pg-13 you know <laughs> yeah. and there's some films that are films that are very transcendent in message and there's some PG-13 films that are just garbage and offer nothing of value, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, oh yeah. So, uh, I agree with my professor, like, you kind of gotta open up a bit and, like, uh, not assume and just see, in his own words, like, you have to see the film in the cultural lens of the way the film was released. At the right. Time, you know, and appreciate it with that mindset. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to say, audiences, that this film was like, racist or sexist or there was things in it that um was disrespectful or offensive it was more just like the film was uh, again not trying to like stir apart not (laughs) trying to but living in utah you live in a very highly christian Mm -hmm. culture christian society so there's a lot of very devout Christians, and I'm not saying anything wrong about Christianity, I'm not saying anything wrong about yeah. those who believe in a faith, but there's those who blindly accept that the teachings of a faith without them seeing what makes that avoidable. You know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, I'm going to avoid that because it's specifically an R-rated film. But if you want to be a filmmaker, you see how that kind of like goes against each yep. other? And that's, that's where my qualms are. It's like, you can't expect to be the next Spielberg. You can't expect to be the next um, breakthrough in the film industry while refusing to watch the very same films yeah. of others who were breakthroughs. You have to choose one or the other. Right. You can't have it both ways. And I think that's where I was trying to get at. You know, like So um, that was a film that was very, like, it, <laughs> it stirred the pot in yeah. my class. And I thought, that is kind of ridiculous because this conversation wouldn't be happening at, like, usc or ucla or like a film school in california where i'm from personally but it makes sense with the environment yeah. that we're in and it made but, it a little bit interesting yeah huh? it didn't make it interesting like oh wow like i think this kid got up he's like this film's garbage i'm like oh sh- what's going to happen right now i'm we're not gonna have kidding go down throw down it, it got here. really like um heated and, damn uh we did finish the film after the offending students just up and left oh, so they actually left they left they, left. Did they, they ever left. come back Wow. i not sure. But that was like a, a scene that happened. But it was a good movie. I liked it. Yeah. It was a good movie for the fact that like not only do I have like that memory associated with it but it is in the same vein of Halloween like the the creepiness of it this looming threat in the same way Michael is a looming threat almost like a plague that like you don't yeah. see coming. There's this looming threat of this this um, soldier character mm-hmm. that is a samurai character that's just following around this woman terrorizing them and their sister uh, the the taboo nature of sexuality because sixty the sexuality was kind of blossoming to talk about but at yeah. the same time using that as like if you do this it will become your your eternal your undoing your yeah. undoing like the way that that um, was portrayed in the film and also the heavy heavy symbolism and uh, imagery in the film and just the metaphors associated with it like the hole in which they threw the dead bodies in yeah multiple time where that whole uh, was used as a metaphor for many different things. In the case of the woman and her affair with the husband, that whole became the symbol for like sexual empowerment and like yeah. you know her her lady bits downstairs and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. But at the same time, it also became her literal grave, in which like I, I don't know if the audience are gonna see it, but I'll, I'm gonna spoil this just to so okay. get, get the background of it. Yeah. But it becomes her literal grave, in which the spirit or slash actual person throws her into the pit. Oh. Essentially killing her because it's a really deep pit. I yeah, also symbolizing what could be interpreted as hell. The know, pit to yeah, hell. The pit yeah. to hell. So it's a really creepy movie. I could see this film and the filmmaker because he's done other films, like doing a little bit of research before this podcast, of the same nature of horror films. I could see this film, this filmmaker being the bedrock of modern Japanese horror films of today. Oh, okay, you know, like such for like uh, the Grudge yeah. and The Ring. And so forth. So, um, if you're in the mood for a little something different, if you're in the mood for a film that's international but has its own twist of like this unsettlingness of uh, the origins of like horror, the horror genre today, I would I would recommend Onibaba. That's a good film. And also, you know, watch it with an open mind. Don't be that guy, you know. <laughs> so come on, guys. If you don't want to watch it, you don't have to watch it, but don't make a stink about it. Yeah. On. So that's all I gotta say. So yeah, that's that's my number four. Nice. Tony
0: Good choice. All right. So my number four is a film that came out in 1960, and I want to say that it's technically one of the first movies of its kind in the sense that I feel like it. Might have been one of the first slasher movies, um, aside from Psycho, of course, because it came out the same year as Psycho, mm-hmm. um, but this movie is Peeping Tom.
1: Have you heard of it? I did hear about it, and it sounded yeah. so interesting. It um, is. I yeah. still really want to watch it one, actually. Yeah, It's a British film, right?
0: Um, I believe so.
1: Or if not a British film, it was heavily like like, get out of here. Like oh yeah! in like the, UK. the
0: the director got a lot of backlash over this film like it a lot of some people say it kind of pretty much ruined his career in a
1: sense like he did film i haven't this seen afterwards. it but it sounds uh we, we should probably explain what it's about to the audience first yeah so yeah Peking tom is kind of an exploitation film about a guy oh, very, who is yeah. and again i haven't seen it yet michael you've seen it right yeah, yeah oh, i yeah. haven't seen it but i just know from what i've read it's about a photographer who pretends to be a photographer mm-hmm. and uses that as uh, an entry point to take advantage of women and murder them, but also film their deaths on camera. Yeah. And he kind of, I don't know if it's of a sexual nature or whatnot,
0: but it's yeah. a fascination, definitely, mm-hmm. that he has with it. It's like a voyeurism, yeah. voyeuristic type of thing, because a lot of, and I feel like this is one of those movies that really set up like the POV you see a lot of like the deaths from the killer's point of view
1: like you see in thing like Silence of the Lambs yeah. I mean, like, very <laughs> much that yeah. yeah
0: it's um and i feel like that's where a lot of movies like Halloween and Friday the 13th and mm-hmm. that's the basis that these films had to go off with this one because this is like one of the very first movies to ever and i'm quoting Scream 4 Ghostface from Scream 4 of course this was the very first one of the very first movies to ever put the audience in the killer's pov yeah so, like, you're basically seeing these deaths from the killer's point of view. Mm-hmm. So, that that is a much more disturbing aspect to this film, is that you're seeing it, you're almost, like, looking through the eyes of the killer himself. Uh-huh. So, I, I can understand why this movie was very controversial when it first came out back in 1960. Like, a lot of people were disgusted by this film. This film was revolting to a lot of people. The director got a shit ton of backlash. But watching it from a more modern perspective.
2: <laughs> now so you're getting so-
0: robocalls. I am so sorry, <laughs> all the listeners. I made sh- I well, I thought I had made sure to take all the necessary precautions and silence my phone, but I guess I did not silence my many, many alarms. So I apologize. <laughs> um, I mean, it happens. All right. What was I say? Oh yeah. So from like a more modern point of view. Um, I appreciate that this movie pushed boundaries i appreciate that this movie you know did something different with the genre and kind of paved the way for other slasher movies mm-hmm. going forward yeah so um i think it's a very unique film i think it's a very for the most part a very wonderfully shot film as well i like the way it's shot i like the way certain sequences um occur I like, yeah, I love everything about it, so. Sweet. It's a good awesome. film.
1: Well, that's one I definitely have to check out. Yes.
0: So, Peeping Tom from 1960, so. All right.
1: Yeah. Well, with that, I am on to my... Your last one, Your right? last one right here. And I'm pretty sure this one's on your list, too. Also, a 1968 film by a horror film just godfather. This is a man that a lot of horror filmmakers and horror fans hold to high esteem and they should, you know, because mm-hmm. he kind of became, uh, the one who really pushed this genre of horror films, uh, filmmaker by the name of George remember, Yeah. Yeah. 1968's Night of the Living Dead. Uh, that's on your list? Yep. Yeah. There we go. So this film wraps up my top 10 list. Uh, obviously I don't even have our top five list. Obviously I don't even have ten films, so I do not have an honorable mentions. But uh yeah, let's talk about this one. Okay. Let's go into yeah. detail with this. So when's the last time you seen this film? Oh. <laughs> it's
0: been a while. For me, it's been I think it it's was been a while.
1: I think it was senior year in high school. So that's 2012 oh, for me. Damn. So that was a lot. That was eight seven years, eight ago. years ago. Eight yeah years ago. Wow. When, um, when the Walking Dead was a really big thing at that time. People were going crazy you know like oh yeah um, that was that around yeah, that time like, wow the, the show's canceled not canceled but it's ended now i right? feel so yeah. old now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the walking dead and then there was the talking dead the talk <laughs> afterwards but like there's i think that's my favorite time of year with amc during mm-hmm. halloween because they have like the halloween movie madness and, and all that. they really, like stream like movies uh, every like day. really old films too, yeah you know? and one of them was the first time i was ever watching was after an episode of The Walking Dead, they showed George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. And I watched it thinking, oh, this is a really old looking movie. Sure, i watch yeah. it. It's, like, I had no idea that it was, like, the pivotal film that kind of, like, birthed the zombie zombie genre yeah. moving forward. But, oh my gosh, it's a good film. Way more violent than I anticipated for a yeah. 60s film at the time. Like, yeah, it's yeah. in like black and white, but, like, if it was in color, oh, geez, like, <laughs> That, there's dismemberment there's blood there's guts there's um a naked zombie we see the booty of a zombie there, for a moment there and a I booty it, it caused a lot of controversy for the time now it's just like not a big deal like, yeah you know, you know it's more the gore i mean it's you more see booty. more
0: <laughs> than just booty these days you yeah, see now tang, yeah. you see what do you say boobies the, the boobies the boobies yeah, yeah the
1: tippies <laughs> <laughs> the t- you see it all but the juggies then, yeah like back then that was like an also like a big point of contention like oh the the not even sexuality just like the nudity of the zombies really okay. the violence of it i could see that was a big one yeah and rightfully so today though i i don't want to say like it's just like a, a a water a drop of water in the bucket because it's still pretty graphic yeah but there's way more graphic for you know oh, and yeah. like violence is much more acclimated into and desensitized to american culture yeah. than sexuality so it's like like the living dead is nowhere near like gonna cause controversy today but if you look at it at the time shoot man and that's it why like I, one of the first of its kind to... one of the first of its kind and one that i would argue kind of alongside with psycho in a way mm-hmm. birth the slasher genre psycho in the sense that there's like a killer a singular killer yeah but not a living dead in the sense like it really pushed like let's make this graphic let's make it really violent let's make
0: it violent let's make it disturbing yeah let's really push the envelope on what we can do
1: and what we can get away with what we can get away with like there's like a grassroots kind of like indie filmmaking sensibility with it oh yeah but i think it was like intentional too which is kind of cool too. Yeah. Like I think uh, it's like let's make this look almost amateurish. Amateurish, but in the sense <laughs> that it's almost like journalistic. Like we're following this ragtag yeah, team. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Teenagers too. going into, I think was it a Pennsylvania mall? Was it a mall? No, I think that's Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Okay, but like some kind of safe house and hunker down and survive. And yeah. I think like making it seem more low budget made it feel more real. Oh, for sure. And I appreciated that, you know. In the same way that Dawn, uh, *Not Dawn of the Dead*, um, *Evil Dead* does the yeah. same kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know, in a more campy way, but it really worked to its campiness in *Evil Dead* sense. In this case, it still was very high budget, especially with its special effects. Oh, for sure. But the filmmaking style, and I, I just appreciate it. It's great film, uh, great zombie. Like I'm not even a big san- a, I'm not even a really big fan of horror zombie films, but I appreciate this film. Words.
0: yeah oh yeah um there's just a is this the same this is the same film i i i get them mixed up sometimes dawn of the dead night of the living dead you know all those movies this is the one where he where the famous quoted like where he's like they're coming for you barbara is that uh, the one i think so yeah this is the one with that yeah, scene there's barbara. right yeah Yeah, because he's like, they're coming for you, Barbara. (laughs) Yeah, that, I don't know why, but there's just something about that scene and, like, other scenes in that film that are just very, like, under the skin for me. There's... (laughs) And I think... (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) Because, like, the film's a
1: product of its time, too, but it still manages to still be scary. Yeah, I was like, are you laughing at my impression? Because I thought my impression
0: was... No, it was a good impression. I'm I'm just
1: thinking of, like, dialogue of 60s films. Yeah. It's like... It wouldn't play well today. No. It it would come off as super cheesy. But like, if you look at it back then, in the cohesive manner of the film, it works.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. It works entirely. It's very, I don't know, there's some things about this film that are very Mm off-putting. And maybe it's, maybe it has to do with a lot with the fact that it's not as polished of a film, like you were saying, when it Mm -hmm. comes to like, I guess, cinematography wise, it's much more of like a, I guess, a mockumentary. Type yeah of, type of vibe or a documentary type of vibe i guess i should say so it makes it see it feel more realistic mm-hmm. in a sense that it feels like we're seeing something we shouldn't be
1: seeing yeah and we're
0: seeing it unfold yeah and it's kind of off-putting and uncomfortable and terrifying and also it's <laughs> in black and white so that might uh, add also your yeah. like
1: you're just not enjoying it like getting under your skin
0: yeah yeah so good film though good movie Good, good zombie flick
1: and with that 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 wraps up my top uh 60s horror films list oh you have three more i think um
0: all right no i have one more okay yeah so yeah the hold on i'm looking up the imdb description so that i can um explain it to people that aren't familiar with it okay so, <clears throat> this is another film that's in black and white and it came out in 1962, 62. Do you want to guess what it is before I say it?
1: You got me. I don't know.
0: Okay, so it's directed by Herc Harvey and it stars Candace Hillagos. Sorry if I Butcher that. <laughs> butchered that. that name. But yeah, the the main the highest billed person on this is Candace Hillagos. So, Carnival of Souls. Have you heard of it? Mm-mm.
1: What? Uh, okay, yeah, I don't know.
0: So, the IMDb description is Mary Henry ends up the sole survivor of a fatal car accident through mysterious circumstances. Trying to put the incident behind her, she moves to Utah and takes a job as a church organist. But her fresh start is interrupted by visions of a fiendish man. As the visions begin to occur more frequently, Mary finds herself drawn to the deserted carnival on the outskirts of town. The strangely alluring carnival may hold the secret to her tragic past. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't want to say too much about this film because I don't want to spoil anything, but what I will say is, like, this... hmm, I don't (laughs) know. There's just something really very unnerving about this film and very, quite frankly, terrifying about it, and it's just a lot of the visuals of it that are freaky to me that really I don't I don't like like there's a scene in particular where one of the characters walks up to the main protagonist of the film and he like has his arms stretched out towards hers and he's walking right towards the camera and it's black and white the way the makeup is done on like the the people in the film it's just really eerie and really creepy and there's just a lot of scenes like that in this film that are just very jarring and very just scary i like almost like how the the way i felt when i watched pet cemetery there's just Mm. something about the fact that it's an old film in black and white with just an eerie atmosphere the atmosphere is very i feel like what makes it most of all terrifying Mm is just the atmosphere of this place and the people that are involved and just a very creepy film. Just very unnerving. And the, for that, that's why it's on my list. Um, it's also a very well-made film. I like the way that certain shots are lit. Like, there's a scene where our main character is, like, sitting there. She's, like, playing the organ. And the way it's lit, like, some of her face is in shadow, but you get, like, this streak of, like, this rectangular streak of light just across her face, kind of, almost. Use her eyes. It's, yeah, it's really beautifully shot and beautifully, like, lit. Okay. And it really sets the, it really does a lot to set the tone for the film. And I think the the way it's shot and the lighting of it has a lot to do with the off-putting nature of it as well. So mm, mm. that's my number six. Was that it? would be my six. Well, because we overlapped with, uh, um, yeah, yeah. what was it? It was uh, Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead, yeah. So we over we had some overlap with that. So that is my last one. And uh-huh. I don't have any honorable mentions. I know. The it's very last one. Okay.
1: First. It's the first. We're on equal footing now.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did have one more than you. That's but true.
1: That's true. No but honorable who's mentions Who's this taking the score at home? Every
0: Everyone. <laughs> They're like, oh, wow. Finally an episode where Michael doesn't have anything on his honorable mentions. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But yeah. Um,
1: but there yeah. we go. That wraps up our 60s, guys. Hopefully um our picks were insightful i'll learn a thing or two hopefully there's some movies that you heard about some that you didn't you might be able to check out later tonight that
0: piqued your curiosity yeah. yeah that's what we're i feel like that's also the fun of this podcast is because i get a lot of people that say i never heard about that film and you got me interested in wanting to check this film out mm-hmm. and that's really cool because it's like if somebody if if just two normal guys like you and myself can, like, persuade people to watch a movie just based off what we're saying about it. And yeah. we're not even, like, getting into, like, the nitty-gritty details. We're just simply explaining, like, the basic plot of it without
1: trying to spoil anything. Yeah. Without trying to spoil anything. Just saying, like, the things that we loved about it that, you know, got us to even talk about it.
0: Right. And so, like, if that's, like, sparking people's curiosity, that makes me feel good. So. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That yeah. is awesome. So. Oh, and uh, before we go, um, I wanted to talk to you guys about some exciting announcements that we have with the upcoming future episodes of the podcast. Uh, Roman and I have been talking about it back and forth for the last little while, and we kind of came up with this idea um, during when we were in the process of talking about our Blair Witch Project episode, which is coming up very soon. um, We kind of came up with this concept well Ro- roman more so than me he kind of brought up the concept of what if we did more of a like different tone from doing the normal like talking about horror movies and because horror is subversive so like there's so many different elements of horror like there's like a big the un- umbrella right yeah. there's the unknown there's the paranormal all of that so we thought it would be fun to do every couple of episodes or so do an episode where we just kind of talk about paranormal experiences or occurrences of our own but then also if people want to send in their own paranormal stories they can do that as well so then we can have just an entire episode chocked full of just all these different paranormal stories like ranging from bigfoot sightings to aliens to ghosts whatever you guys want to send us in uh we are more than willing to talk about so and we wanted to do it kind of more of like For example, like if you're camping in the woods and you're listening to this podcast when you're in the middle of the wilderness around a campfire, it would kind of almost be that setting. Like you could imagine yourself in that setting, um, sitting around a campfire, kind of telling spooky ghost stories. Um, We thought that would be fun. We thought that would be really creepy. Something different to add to the podcast so that it's not just, you know, we're talking about horror movies constantly. It would be a nice little break every couple episodes or so, Mm -hmm. just kind of. You know, shoot the breeze yeah. about um, our own experiences. So, yeah. Uh, with that being said, that is one of the ideas that we had um, going forward for this podcast. So, we're super excited. To be super cool, guys. Yeah. So, please um, feel free to email us at pod at gmail.com. And just submit your stories, and we will read them, and we will add them to our
1: episodes. We'd love to get it on the air, yeah. Yes,
0: please. Please send in your experiences, because <laughs> I know I have a lot. I don't know how many Roman has, but... I
1: have some, but not as many as you do. You have a lot <laughs> I man. mean,
0: I could do an entire season of episodes just with my experiences, but I'm sure you guys don't want to just hear my experiences the entire episode. So we want to hear from you guys, too. Please send us in your experiences, We would love to hear them. As far as that goes, is there anything else we want to announce?
1: Um, We just want to say, you know, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you guys. Uh, Thanks for being patient with us. We know there's a little bit of a a little bit of a break there before this episode came out. So thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for staying with us. And uh, you know, stay safe, stay clean, do all the necessaries. Just uh, you know, just just stick around. Yes. Also,
0: make sure to keep spreading the word. We really appreciate it. Um, Just send us reviews, ratings on Apple Podcasts. That really helps our podcast grow. Also, I found out a couple days ago that you can also, if you have the Podcast Addict app, which is the one that I use religiously when I listen to podcasts, you can also rate and review on there as well. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, so if you aren't an Apple Podcast user and you're more so of a podcast addict user you can also rate and review us on there so that would also help us get the word out um we really appreciate all the engagement so far I mean we're only six episodes in and I feel like we've gotten so much love so far and support from people all around the world which is so exciting like I never expected this podcast to like pick off Uh pick up that fast so um, like I said, word of mouth travels fast. Spreading the word on, you know, podcast addict or iTunes, just either, social media. Either way. Yeah. Social media, yeah. it really helps. Um, speaking of social media, do you want to tell them your Twitter, Roman? Yeah. So my
1: Twitter is just uh, at Roman Chicas, C H I C A S. Just send me questions, send me your tweets, whatever. We also have our own podcast Twitter brand new right now. It's yes. uh, We Love Horror Pod. Uh, that's the twitter handle for that so if you want to send directly to the podcast you can as well Uh, either way if you send any message from there we'll read it and it'll be on this show so please guys send us your thoughts
0: we also have an instagram it's we love horror podcast so that's where you can find us as well Um, and with that I think that's wraps up this episode that's
1: it so yeah that's our 60s that ends our decade by decade review of horror films so stick around Stay tuned. More horror stuff along the way.
0: We've got some good stuff coming, guys. We're 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 in the works of something really, really cool. So uh, you're gonna love what we're cooking. So, yes.
1: Uh, see you guys later. Bye, guys. Peace.